Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, discussing photography, a podcast all about the things that we love about photography. This is Focus on Rotation, where I have different hosts joining me at the desk as we share and learn each week. Come and enjoy this week's episode with us. Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, discussing photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel, and on this episode I am flying solo, and I want to talk about mixing up your composition in this episode and getting you thinking about maybe thinking a little bit different about how you may compose pictures using you know, the vertical orientation or, or aspect ratio rather than, say, the landscape. So most people know landscape is the... The longer side is on the horizontal and um, portrait is the the longer side is on the vertical of the image. You also, most people now be familiar with other aspect ratios like one to one, which is a square image, which was kind of brought about. I suppose it was reinvented a little bit by Instagram because that was, their, I suppose, their chosen aspect ratio to best display images on their platform. So what is it about you know, thinking about, I mean, most landscape photographers literally take the landscape idea literally where, you know, most people will shoot um, with the horizon um, being on the longest side of the image. But seeing more and more photographers kind of mixing it up and, and, and trying to get something different where shooting landscape pictures in a vertical mode or, or the old, you know, referred to as a portrait mode, and it's kind of interesting because sometimes, depending on what's going to happen with the with the images, if the images are going to be used in, say, print, then the, the types of prints, like sometimes people don't have a section of wall where they can put a, a long horizontal photograph, but they do have room to do a, a kind of a vertical drop. So, so we're starting to see more and more, I suppose, variations on the theme. There's also... You know, people are printing stuff in one-to-one or square format. So it's it's interesting, like I said, to mix it up and to think about changing the way you shoot. And like I said, look at you know maybe shooting some stuff in a vertical mode because a lot of the platforms do do gravitate to displaying the images in a vertical mode. Like a lot of the things like you know the apps designed for smartphones are kind of orientated around that vertical orientation of the phone camera um, so it's kind of like I said it's interesting to to try and I suppose mix it up and think about it so and it can help I suppose change the way uh, your composition looks on an image by changing those aspect ratios and I suggest people too like to to explore shooting stuff natively in a kind of a square format so a lot of cameras you can go in and you can change the the way it's captured on the sensor so it's captured natively as a one-to-one or you know, obviously, when you're shooting uh, on a vertical, you just tip the camera on the vertical, and you, you're shooting that image that way. And then, normally, most people are shooting, holding the camera vertically. Um, horizontal. Most people tend to hold the camera horizontally, so most of the shots are pretty much taken on the you know, horizon. And it's interesting because anyone who's used a grip on their camera will notice that the grips will always give you um, a shutter button and controls for shooting in the vertical mode because they're figuring that people will be switching between the horizontal and vertical modes with their shooting. So like I said, they've included those extra buttons on there just purely to make it easier to be able to get your hand in the position that's comfortable to be able to take those shots. 
So if you've been a photographer who's just always shot pretty much with the camera on the horizon, take some time out to think about shooting maybe differently and, you know, thinking about changing your composition. So sometimes, you know, shooting a landscape picture on the kind of vertical side, you can, if you shoot it with a wide angle lens, you can then obviously include some type of foreground interest into the image because obviously you've got the wide angle lens on the camera and it can produce some really interesting results. So sometimes, you know, having that camera on that really um, big angle where the fo- you're catching a chunk of the foreground and you're also checking the middle ground and background as well. But like I said, it just helps to, I suppose, mix it up. So you're not just trying to shoot the same stuff that everyone else is shooting. And it's kind of, like I said, experiment and play with different formats. And, you know, there's custom formats where you can, you know, I mean, most people probably, you know, think about the panorama type format which is you know kind of a um a long horizontally banner type image and people see that you know when they stitch together a whole bunch of images they make this you know panorama shot or people who've played around with um those features on their camera phone where they shoot a panorama you got this long you know it's not very high but very very wide image because it's the way it's been shot and the way it's been put together so it's always kind of interesting to, to shoot that. So, I mean, all these techniques too can be employed in post. So some people do that. They'll take a shot of a kind of a landscape, you know, sunset type scenario. And then in in post, they'll crop it into kind of like a um, panoramic type shot. So, it's, you know, it fits perfectly. And then too, if you want to use it as like a cover picture on things like Facebook and things like that, because, you know, those type of shots fit better. Um, in the space that's provided at the top of the page in Facebook. So, again, interesting just to play around and try different aspect ratios and and maybe even mix it up for different types of subjects. Like, I mean, obviously shooting people, you know, typically, you know, and I think that's where, you know, the word portrait for the orientation of vertical images came from originally is that quite often people shot people with the cameras that were available because they could get their head, shoulders and you know, body or whatever in one frame. So it kind of became known as portrait mode. And um, obviously when people went out and captured landscapes, they typically obviously had the camera orientated the other way, so they're capturing this wide wide view. That's how we kind of ended up, I think, with the those names. It just seems to make sense. Don't know if that's technically true, but that's my kind of theory on, on where those names come from. So a lot of people new to photography, like I said, just pick the camera up and they're just happy to shoot what's what I suppose comes out the box as far as it's set up to. So most cameras shoot in a 2x3 format and 2x3 um, format then equates, if you're printing that, it will then fit on various different paper sizes. But it's always using that 2x3 um, ratio. So if you wanted to print a picture, say, on a 4x6 piece of paper, two by three is going to fit perfectly because the aspect ratio is correct for that particular size. It goes up, so it's really just a mathematical formula that basically works out how it is. Obviously, as soon as you start playing around and doing custom uh, aspect ratios, then quite often the paper you're going to shoot on, um, stock paper is going to have, you're going to end up with a lot of negative space on the paper, which is actually sometimes really interesting using you know, the negative space where the picture only occupies a certain, you know, part of the page. 
again, it can create for some different and interesting looks. Same as, like I said, experimenting and playing off the one-by-one one or the square format. And a lot of people would remember back in days gone by when, you know, the, some of the Kodak um, film was a um, was actually square negative, so you've got a square print. So it was a one-by-one. One. So, you know, when you go through some of the old photo albums, you see all these square images. So that was a popular, um, I suppose, format back in the day or, or aspect ratio. And again, I think... Um, shooting in a square format is interesting because I think it can help with your composition because, you know, when you're shooting between landscape and um, portrait, you're kind of working out, okay, where do I put the main subject in the frame? Do I put it here? Do I put it there? You know, you've got some choices. People typically will come back and refer to the rule of thirds and they'll place the, place the interest in one of those portions of the image so um, based on the rule of thirds. But when you're shooting kind of in the in the square format, I think it does give you a bit of latitude to be able to play around with. In particular, I think if you want to centre the subject, I think in the, having it in a square frame, it kind of, to me, it looks balanced because obviously you've got the same amount of space on each side if the image is or the subject is centred in the frame of a square one-by-one one image. So again, it's just something that you can play with, something that you can try and do something different, like I said, just trying to mix it up a little bit to try and, I suppose, expand your creativity and, you know, once you're out in the field shooting and thinking about things differently, I mean, I think each time you go out, if you can kind of go out and apply some type of different thinking to traditional things that um, people shoot, that can sometimes produce interesting results and you can obviously sometimes come away with some unique images that people hadn't thought to capture that way. You know, you know, we've talked about on previous different episodes about different things like shooting, you know, with um, in monochrome or black and white where people sometimes have shot um, subjects that normally people wouldn't kind of, you know, like flowers. You think, well, if you're shooting a flower, you want to shoot it in colour. If it's a bright, pretty flower, you want to shoot it in in colour so you show off all the, all the little colours and all the little details and colour. But sometimes the I think shooting a flower in monochrome can highlight the the sh- the structure and the shapes in within the flower um, and the symmetry. I think sometimes it's a great way to show symmetries is to take away the distractions because even though it is nice sometimes having all those little pops of colour all over the place, sometimes you've don't see those shapes and how those shapes interact with each other and it's interesting in nature I think it's always fascinating to me how in nature particularly how different shapes interact and how they can build these fit into kind of a patterns and I think it's always you know fun looking at stuff um, structures within sometimes in rocks and crystals and plants and those types of things you'll see these particularly sometimes you turn a leaf over and on the top of the leaf it's just green and normal foliage but when you turn it over there's all these little patterns formed by these little tracks and veins like to throughout the leaf and I think sometimes it's interesting to kind of look at things differently just to try and get a feel and like I said even the shapes of some leaves like I think you know every leaf's kind of different and sometimes you get you know a little cluster of leaves where they actually form um, things and sometimes I've, you know you look at a leaf and you can see the way the um the way the the parts of the leaf are constructed, it, it almost looks like 
you know, there's a face you can kind of sometimes see ears and eyes and nose and mouth and that type of thing. So it's always interesting, I think, how we interpret stuff. And sometimes, like, it's interesting to be able to capture stuff a little bit different to show people. So when people look at it, hopefully they're going to see something different. It's always interesting how we always see faces and stuff. And, I mean, there's been a lot of research done on on that. But the human mind is, you know, we'll, we'll take objects and we'll kind of assume oh, there, there are eyes and that's a nose and that's a mouth and we'll put it together and construct it as a face. So it's always interesting. You see that in nature quite a lot. You know, you'll see pictures of people take a picture of a... Of a, of a mountain range or a rock structure and you can look at it and, you know, pretty much think you can see a face coming out of the rock structure. Um, it might be just a bunch of different shadows and textures. The way the human mind interprets it, it looks like it's um, something else. I can, I can remember taking a picture many years ago in a place called Bunnendore, which is in kind of regional New South Wales, out just outside of Canberra. And um, I was up one early one morning and I was out with the camera just walking around the streets and it was a fascinating place because there's a lot of like old stone buildings and, and I believe it used to be like a Cobb & Co um, coach. Like it was like, I don't know if it was one of the headquarters, but it was definitely a Cobb & Co type depot and there's a lot of history and that type of stuff. But there's lots of old um, gardens and different things. And I'm, I remember taking this picture in the, this area where there was garden and it wasn't until I got it back home and I got on the computer that I've looked at this picture and I've looked at the picture and, and in the background it looks like in the bushes there's, there's like a face, like there's a person standing behind the bush and they're looking through. And this was like, I was up about five in the morning and there was really, I don't think I, that morning, it was a pretty cold morning down there too, so I don't think I saw too many people wandering around. And so I started, you know, obviously what you do is, oh, what's that? So you you zoom into it on on the computer to zoom right in to see and it, it was just nothing but leaves and shadows and then when you zoom right in it you could just clearly see the leaves and shadows and then as soon as you zoomed out and looked at it again again the face would appear so it's always fascinated me uh, I suppose the way people see stuff and and like I said so you can try and use some of those things in your photography to um, get people to kind of look more into the image so you know where you put things in the frame the shapes that you select um, the orientation of those shapes and like I said whether you've shot it in colour or whether you shoot it in black and white again these things can just be those little subtle differences that people will notice in your photography and some little tools to use and it costs nothing really to go out and start experimenting like changing the way you shoot and using different uh, format ratios with your with your images Particularly if you're showing them off on, you know, things like social media, you know, if you start showing stuff in a kind of a different format, um, people might like stop and look because oh, what's this? It looks different. I've never kind of seen, you know, an image shot like that before, or that or that subject shot that particular way. Because like I said, a lot of subjects, people go have a kind of go-to aspect ratio that they always shoot that subject in, and I think the you know. Like I said, it's, it can sometimes help with composition by just experimenting and just seeing what what you like and try different things. And, you know, like I said, it, it's, it's nothing to experiment. So, like I said, one of the greatest things about digital photography is it is a, an absolute um, experimenter's playground because you can go out and you can experiment and you can try stuff. And, you know, back in the day when I first really got interested in photography and... 
you know, I started shooting probably when I was um, about seven years old. And, but, you know, it was, uh, I think the bug really kicked in. I was shooting probably a fair bit, you know, from 12 onwards that I really became, because um, with my friends too, like, you know, they, they were thought it was really cool because I'd have take my camera and we'd be riding our bikes or we'd be, we'd be doing something and I'd have a camera there and I'd always get a couple of shots of, you know, us doing something or us being somewhere or, you know, you know, as, as kids we used to get our bikes, we had BMX bikes and, and we, you know, used to find a little mound of dirt somewhere and we'd jump over it and, you know, I'd try and capture people while they're midair in, in flying through the air on their on their bicycle, that type of stuff, and then people really love those pictures because you caught something a little bit different. Uh, and again, it was playing around with different um, ideas and that type of stuff. So... And I said I was always looking at how I could get something different and using whatever tools was available to me. And like I said, um, it was difficult because I'd, I I can't tell you how much film I wasted experimenting because I'd do all these things and they, they just wouldn't work. Focus be off or um, shutter speed's too slow or, you know, aperture's wrong. Something Something was not right so the image didn't turn out the way you wanted it to so sometimes those experiment pictures you took ages to actually work out what was going wrong and then try and work out how you kept because back in the day too I had limited the equipment gave me limited control over what I could control and but like I said so you learn to do all these different things so but today in today's world with you know modern digital cameras you can take a bunch of shots and fill a memory card and if you obviously if they all fail you can just reformat the card and start again you know all you've lost is time but in doing that what I think is the important thing is it's what you can learn from that so it's what you take away from when you shoot something and you fail don't beat yourself up saying oh that crap that didn't work you know try and work out why it didn't work and try and then work out okay what will I need what do I need to change or, or where do I need to be to get that, how I see it in my mind? Because sometimes, like I said, you have an idea when you see something um, happen and then you go, you want to capture it. And sometimes trying to get the camera to capture what you're seeing in your head is very difficult. So, you know, sometimes it's the camera position's not where you necessarily think it might be. Um, sometimes, you know, you need to be in a different position or it needs to be a certain time of the day when the light's actually in the exact right locations and it's coming from the right direction to help you better capture it. You know, like I said, it's sometimes you see stuff and you go, hey, that'd be really cool, and then you try and capture it with your camera and it doesn't look, it just doesn't look cool. It doesn't come across because there's elements of it have changed because you've, you know, got down lower or you've got had to move from behind a post or you've done something different that you're not kind of capturing exactly the way you've seen it or, or how you imagine it in your mind. And like I said, so you hear some of photographers talk about, you know, they'll, they'll have an idea for an image and sometimes it takes them years and years and years before they actually, you know, capture that image. And sometimes, like I said, I can see this image, I'd, you know, I'd love to get this uh, picture of a, of a bird in flight and the eyes are looking straight at your eyes and it's coming straight at you and you, you nail the focus and you nail everything and you freeze that bird coming at you and you, but you're also filling the frame as well so you've got this magnificent image but it's, it's quite hard sometimes so you, I've tried to get that shot 
many, many times, but I still haven't got the shot yet that's actually in my mind, the one that I can keep seeing over and over. I haven't quite got that yet. But I'm, and, and I think that's a challenge sometimes why people keep shooting as well because when you've got an idea like that, you can obviously take years to actually um, get the shot that you're actually looking for. Um, it's not that easy. And, and like I said, so you'll hear many photographers and if you're new to photography and, and this may be a concept that you haven't kind of um, delve into or thought too much about, but you'll talk to a lot of photographers, like I said, who will have um, pre-imagined a shot that they've taken in their mind that they want to go out and recreate and then they have to try and work out quite often sometimes you've got to work out all the things you need to put into place to actually to capture that image. Um, sometimes that you know involves travelling to a place or in getting certain equipment or sometimes it's getting um, assistance of someone else to to do it because some of the things you just can't you can't be everything at the same time so unfortunately sometimes you want to be try and do all this stuff yourself where you can but you can't always do it and sometimes you do need to have someone help and assist you and there's nothing wrong with that I mean that's just a part of photography and I think photography for a long time too like there's more and more collaborative photographers where people are working together uh, for a common goal to to shoot something and, and sometimes that really helps to keep the motivation alive that if you've got someone else involved um, you know they keep you motivated and you keep them motivated so it's kind of a it's a two-way street and it works for both people that you're kind of being able to kind of go out there and you know capture those images that you've think, been thinking about and I think that's one of the great things like I said about photography I think you, know, you can have an idea um, and modern digital photography gives you the tools to be able to orchestrate that and do it yourself and I think the chances of doing a lot of that by yourself as a DIY type thing without any other assistance these days is much easier because obviously things like self-timers, apps to trigger the camera. I know a number of times I've you know found it invaluable using the Camera Connect app um, to be able to set the camera up, get the focus sorted and then be able to use the app just to make sure that the framing is correct and then be able to use the app to fire the trigger to actually take the frame which is really handy so that's another thing too well worth investigating if you haven't looked at your camera capabilities look at the camera what's what's available in your camera do you have a, an app that allows you to connect your camera to your smartphone and does that app then allow you to be able to trigger the camera or get a preview of what the camera is seeing that can be really helpful um, I think tool like I said to get some creative photography and maybe it's where using that tool you can start to be although most photographers want to be behind the camera we do see more and more photographers these days who are actually in the frame themselves so they set the shot up and then they you know using self-timer or using like i said methods like the the app like you know the the um, camera connect type apps to trigger the camera and actually take the shot so again great use of technology great like an idea like great ideas for experimenting and like I said I think you know to grow as a photographer you should never stop experimenting I mean you always want to be trying different things you learn a lot but you never learn everything and as technology rolls on too you know new possibilities open up with um, technology allowing you to be able to get shots that you dreamed of getting and like getting that now getting that shot of a bird flying towards you 
and getting it sharp and all that type of stuff is definitely going to be an easier task for me to, to nail that shot one day because the current autofocusing systems in the new mirrorless cameras are just sensational. So we're not relying so much on trying to hit the focus at the exact right thing once um, you know the camera latches on to the target. Yeah, you can hold that hold that focus while you shoot shoot several frames, and that's a fantastic, like I said, tool. And I know some people think it's kind of cheating, but I think you know, if it helps you achieve your gold, it's fantastic. I mean, is using a, you know, a most people these days have an automatic washing machine in the house. So basically, you know, they been in out all day, come home, take the clothes off, throw them in the washing machine, put on their favourite cycle. And they go off and they start cooking dinner or have a shower or do whatever they're doing while their clothes are washing. And, you know, back in the day, people would come home and have to, you know, have a manual washing machine that they used to have to fill it up with water themselves. And then they used to have to, um, you know, wash, put the clothes in, let them agitate around, move them out, take them out, run them through the ringers or whatever drying method or some of them like had a you know, spin cycle where they had a separate washing compartment and then they had another compartment in the machine where you would transfer them across to 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 spin them so there's all these different things now is that cheating like is that using that technology it's no different to the technology you find in the cameras these days it's just they're things that make life easier um to allow you to do other things like allow you to spend more time so if you've got you know if you're not worrying about missing the focus you can spend more time thinking about the composition. You know, you can think more time about the angles. You can put that because that's one less thing that you kind of have to worry about. You know, back in the day, you know, when I was shooting, when I started shooting 35mm, all the cameras I had were all manual focus. So you were setting the focus. And for objects that were moving, that was always a bit of a challenge. Sometimes trying to get the focus right, trying to nail the shot. But you just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And you did build up some um, skills and memory muscles and those type of thing where you could pick the camera up and go back into that in that same situation at a different time and be able to kind of get reasonable shots. But these days, like I said, I'm so excited when I go out with my Canon R5 because that camera just kind of gives me so many tools or gives me so many options as far as how I can use it that I can be concentrating on other stuff and not worrying about kind of the technical stuff I remember talking to someone saying now it's kind of like now there's not as big a call for teaching people um, how to use the camera like different functionality because so much of the camera can do yeah you can do so much like the, the focusing and that type of stuff itself that you can you got to teach now. What you can concentrate teaching people is on composition and techniques and those type of things, rather than kind of teaching them, you know, some of the more I suppose basic stuff which we used to teach people when they, you know, got cameras to start with, because they obviously had a whole lot of things you had to try and do. And, and like I said, cameras that had a lot of manual components to them, like the manual focus. You know, I think today if you threw someone a an old thirty five mil camera with no light meter, no autofocus, so they had to use a light meter to work out the, the correct exposure for the given amount of ambient light and get the focus where they needed to be, it, it takes a bit of skill. And that's why I think photography used to be 
the people who used to be photographers back in all those years did have tremendous skill and the good photographers, that's why they were, I suppose, kind of looked upon in the community as these people who had this great technical skill to be able to execute and get these photos. And that has changed a little bit, but that's technology has moved on. Anyway, in this episode, we've been talking about um, aspect ratios and, um, you know, whether you're shooting, you know, all your images you shot landscape or, or portrait or vertical mode, that maybe it's time to mix it up and try and shoot some different types of images and just think about changing the way you, you look at the world because as a photographer, one thing you do, you just keep evolving and you keep seeing things different and you start obviously getting more clarity in the why you see stuff and then obviously that helps you capture it anyway enjoy your photography until next time i'm steve finkel for photo mission focus discussing photography see ya that's all for this episode this week thanks for listening if you have enjoyed the show please leave us a comment and don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast app and social media sites remember photography is a pursuit where there's always something new to learn safe and happy shooting everyone Bye.